When they came closer, they realized that the jihadists are still there and the jihadists could see them. He told his son, go away and tell your mother that I'm going to meet Jesus today. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We're in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. Join host Laura as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. Last year on the podcast, we spoke to Release International partner Hassan John about the problems of violence and unrest in West Africa. On today's podcast, we're going to take a closer look at one specific country in that region, Burkina Faso. You may not know much about Burkina Faso, but recently the actions of violent militant groups have made it a very difficult place for Christians to live. Our brothers and sisters there are being targeted, displaced and killed because of their Christian faith. Listen in as I speak to Susanna, who works for Release International's sister ministry, Voice of the Martyrs Poland. We'll talk about the general situation in Burkina Faso, some specific ways in which Christians have been impacted, and the projects that Release International is helping to fund that bring practical help to families and communities. Hello and welcome, Susanna, to The Voice podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So you work for Release International's sister ministry, Voice of the Martyrs Poland. Can you just tell us briefly what is your role there and how you came to work for the organisation? Yeah, uh, I work for the Voice of the Martyrs Poland and I'm a project manager. And, you know, it was always a desire in my heart to serve God as uh, in full time. Um, but... I had a fantastic job and I was also involved in an international ministry as a volunteer. So my life was full, I would say. Uh, But still God was preparing my heart for something else. And the time came when God opened the door for me and I started to work and serve God full time in the voice of the martyrs Poland. So yeah, I'm very privileged to work for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Awesome, that's great to hear. Thank you. So today we want to talk specifically about Burkina Faso. So for those of our listeners who may not be aware, Burkina Faso is located in West Africa, just north of Ghana and the Ivory Coast. And it's a country which has experienced, sadly, growing unrest recently with violent jihadist groups gaining more influence there. So Susanna, can you tell us a little bit about that general context? You know, for years, uh, the country was living or the people in the country were living in relative peace. So there were Christians, animists, Muslims, and everything was fine. Uh, But the situation starts to change in 2016 uh, when the rise of Islamist militants activity linked to ISIS and Al-Qaeda started. So it began with the occasional attacks uh, in far north and I will say in the Sahel region. So at the beginning everyone was attacked, 
Christians, Muslim, animists, you know, there was no specific target. But later on, in April 2019, jihadists announced that they now focus only on Christians. I see. So how would you say that this unrest is affecting Christians in particular? So, I mean, is there quite a large Christian population in Burkina Faso? And do they live in areas that have been affected by the violence? So I know we hear more about northern Nigeria um, and what there seems to be an agenda there to just wipe out Christianity from the region. Um, is that a similar situation in Burkina Faso? So let me start with the Christian population in Burkina Faso. So they are like 30% of the population. 23% of them are Catholics and 7% are Protestant. And most of the Christians, they live on the south of the country. But not all of them. So there are also Christians in the northern part of the country. And they are in this, uh, I will call it, red zones, which are really unsecure. And there is a lot of attacks. And they are officially recognized as very unsecure zones. So Christians who live in this area, uh, they are really targeted. So um, they are on the blacklist by jihadists. So in the, uh, if the attacks begin in the village, the jihadists came and they're really looking for Christians. They exactly know who is a believer or not, and they are trying to look for them. And they are not only, you know, looking and searching to kidnap them, but they really kill Christians and they do not let them go away. Um, so, yeah. It's um, it's really risky to, to live in such area. Uh, so the, the Christians are displaced, so they are running away from such places uh, to hide and um, yeah to find refuge somewhere. I wanted to mention, because you asked also about Nigeria, you know, um, when I think about this situation, I, I want to say that uh, the situation in Burkina Faso is different. Really, I want to say this, but I cannot. I cannot, because when you see that they really uh, focus on Christians and they want to kick out Christians in some particular regions of the country, and even if the, if the government announced that some village is now free from the terrorists and from the jihadist groups, Christians do not came, come back home because they know that the jihadists are still around. They're waiting for them to come back and then attack again. So, yeah, I have to say that the uh, situation of Christians in Burkina Faso is somehow similar to the one in Nigeria. How is the church in Burkina Faso responding to what's going on? You know, they're doing great. I, I have to say I'm really proud of them because, you know, they do not have much. They are very poor, but still they open their houses and their churches and they host displaced Christians. So, you know, Burkina Faso is one of the poorest countries in the world, really. And still they open their houses, they open churches and they host them. What does it mean host? They give them shelter, they give them food. And they try to pay for the education of the children because you have to pay for the education. But, you know, they want to do a lot, but they are limited. So um, 
you know, at the beginning, they thought it's like one, two, maybe three months, and no one expected it would last years. So, yeah, they try to do a lot, but they are limited. So, as international Christian community, we are trying to help them uh, to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow, it's amazing to hear how the church can just pull together in those difficult times and live out the gospel like that, even when it's so difficult and dangerous to do so. So we've heard that, sadly, many Christian children in particular have been badly affected by what's going on. Um, Some are now orphans, many are internally displaced. How are they coping? Yeah, I have to say that uh, Christian children were the ones who suffered first. Because when the first attacks um, began, uh, they started at schools, not in the churches, not in the villages, but at schools. Because jihadist groups wanted to stop schools and they wanted to stop education first. So children saw, um, children seen their teachers beaten or killed. So it was the first thing that they could realize that uh, there is a problem in the country so the children were first target and later on when the school was stopped they had to see and they witnesses how their parents were suffering so yeah it's it's really hard for them i can mm, i cannot imagine to be such a small kid you know and you see this situation and you witness all these horrific things that are going on. But they are really courageous, really. I, um, Yeah, they shouldn't be because of their age, but they are. It really is just unimaginable what they are going through at such a young age. Um, so we will definitely keep them in our prayers. Um, I know it's been difficult recently with travel restrictions and a global pandemic, um, but have you been able to visit the region at all? And, you know, how does it make you feel going there? Um, Is there sort of a specific experience or story that you can tell us that's had an impact on you? Yeah, Um, I visited uh, Burkina Faso many times. And first time I traveled to Burkina 14 years ago. And it was completely different country. Um, So when I heard about the first attacks, um, it broke my heart. You know, and uh, because I could travel to the northern part of the country, I I meet Christians there, and I know them personally. So it's it's really painful when I hear what's going on in this country, and uh, how the country changed. Because this country is very poor, but it was beautiful and peaceful, and now everything is lost. And yeah, when I hear the news from Burkina Faso, it's it's very hard for me. Uh, you know, I felt they're like in my home country. So now when I hear about the attacks, I feel like it's my country that is attacked. On today's podcast, I'm speaking to Susanna from Voice the Martyrs Poland about Burkina Faso. We've talked about the general unrest in the country and the fact that Christians are being specifically targeted and attacked. Keep listening as Susanna shares the moving story of Sister Alima and her family, and then challenges us to respond to the suffering through prayer 
and action. So I, I would love to share one story with you and the story of Sister Alima and her husband. Um, let's call him Pastor Daniel. And the story stand, starts uh, in the good way because there was an attack in their village and um, they saw jihadists coming so they, they were able to flee the village and they came to another town and they, they, they found refuge. So they were safe. But after some days, Pastor Daniel realized that they will suffer. They will starve. There is no food. Uh, there is no possibility to survive. Um, so somehow they, they were saved from the jihadist hand, but from other way, uh, from the other side, they will suffer. So uh, he decided to come back home to find some food because they, they had some food at home. So he wanted to go back there. So he decided to go back. He took his son. The son was 10 years old and they went back to the village. Uh, of course, it was a few days after the attacks. So the pastor was sure there is no jihadist, no one in the village. But uh, when they came closer, they realized that the jihadists are still there and they already seen them. You know, there is no trees, no bushes to hide somewhere. So the jihadists could see them. So um, when Pastor Daniel saw that uh, there is no possibility to sneak out, he told his son, go away and tell your mother that I'm going to see Jesus now, or I'm going to meet Jesus today. So the, the boy, went away and he saw that 40 jihadists surround his father and they stop him and when they saw that he's still alive they start shooting him and they kill him so the boy uh, was able to to come back home and when he came home he told the story of what he's seen and what happened to his dad. And together with Voice of the Martyrs Poland, we were able to provide food for this family. But you know, there is a widow, six children, and uh, the church decided to pay for like few months of the school, school fee for the children. So they were able to, to continue the school. But after some months, church ran out from the money so they were not able to to pay more for the education to provide anything else so when i heard this story um it's really breaking you know this uh, this pastor lost his life and uh, yeah now the widow tried to survive and um yeah she really needs help and when i talk with her of course, she was crying and she was broken, but she also asked us, please pray for me, pray for my children, so we may continue to believe and we may continue to have strength. That is such a heartbreaking story. I think, you know, as you were speaking now, I was just struck by how, you know, there are implications from the persecution that go beyond the immediate danger that once they've fled that immediate danger, they then face other difficulties like start potential starvation and 
um, not having a home and all these awful things. And then even having to return to that danger to try and get food to survive. It's just such a heartbreaking situation. Um, so you touched on it a little bit there about um, what kind of support they need. So Release International is helping to do some work in the country. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the projects that they have there and how they are helping? Uh, we carried out already some projects in Burkina Faso for displaced Christians and for persecuted Christians. Um, first, we started with food distribution because we knew it's the, the first thing they need to survive. Uh, so in 2019 and 2020, uh, we provide the food for almost uh, tw- for over 12,000 Christians. So it was amazing, you know, to see and to be able to help them and to provide the food. And, you know, it was really important also when there was a COVID pandemic, you know, they, they completely closed the country and no one could work and no one could, uh, you know, sell anything on the street. So the persecuted Christians, they didn't have any possibility to, to earn some money and, or to get some food. So the help we provided, it was really great help for them. So these were the food projects, uh, but we also carried out the project, educational project. So uh, we knew that children are uh, displaced, they suffer a lot, and they cannot continue the education. The school is paid. You have to pay for the education in Burkina Faso. So we decided to, to send children to school. And we had a dream to send 1,100 children to school. And we said, impossible. But, you know, for God, nothing is impossible. And with, uh, with the help of our sister's mission, we were able to, to gather the funds and to send 1,104 children to school. So that was really amazing. Um, And yeah, we are also drilling wells uh, in Burkina Faso. There is a huge problem with water. So imagine when the town hosts displaced people and displaced Christians. And in some weeks, uh, the population of the town double or triple. There is no possibility to give water to everyone. So we are looking for the places when there is no water and we are drilling wells there to provide water for drinking water for Christians. Now we are working also on the projects for Christian widows because we know that now they are not able to take care for themselves. So we are trying to, to provide some activities for them so they can earn some money and take care for themselves and for children. Amazing. It's so good to hear all those positive things that are going on um, in such a difficult situation. Um, But that is really encouraging to hear. We don't really hear much in the mainstream media about what's going on. Um, So do you think that many people know about what's happening? And how is the international community responding? Hmm. I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that not many people hear about the situation in Burkina Faso because there is no news in mainstream media. It's very hard to find something. Uh, Yeah, sometimes if you look really hard, you can find some information about Burkina Faso. 
also, there is a problem if you look in Burkina's local media. Uh, there is the same problem. There is not uh, no much information about the situation, the security information. Mm, yeah, there is a rule to not post anything uh, like this. But uh, yeah, the international community, mm, they are interested a little bit in the situation of Burkina Faso. Uh, there is a Sahel alliance. So there is like France, Germany and the European Union, which try to, to help Burkina Faso and other countries. We have also G5 Sahel group. So they, there is five African countries that face insecurity in the region. So they are trying to, uh, to work together uh, to gain, gain the security. Um, this is one point, you know, the, let's say, uh, trying to, to gain peace. Uh, the other thing is the help. I would say international organizations that are coming to help. Uh, for example, I know about the Red Cross that is coming and trying to do something uh, in Burkina Faso. But we have to be aware that in Burkina Faso now we have over 1 million displaced people. And all of them, they have nothing. They don't have shelter, they don't have food, they don't have clothes. They have literally nothing. So there are some international organizations, but help is not sufficient to everyone. So we really need to talk about it and we really need to inform people what's going on in Burkina Faso. So to gain this international attention and to get some response to help them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just really struck by what you've said there in that, you know, a million, that is such a lot of people being displaced. And you think if that was news in some other countries, it would be internationally talked about in the media. And so it's really awful that it's not. Um, so for those listeners who may be hearing about the situation for the first time, um, they'll probably be very shocked and angered, maybe upset and want to do something. So how would you advise that we should respond to this as Christians living in the UK and Europe? I would advise to, to do three simple steps. Pray, inform and act. And I will say something more about it. As believers and as Christians, we are not responsible by, for ourselves. We are responsible for other parts of the body of Christ for the church. So um, sometimes people say, oh, we, we cannot do that much. I can't change the situation, but it's not true. Uh, we can change the situation, we can pray. And I think it's our responsibility to pray for the church and to ask God to change the situation in Burkina Faso. So yeah, you can pray. Uh, second thing, you can inform others. Are you listening to this podcast? Do you know if others had the possibility to, to listen, to know something about Burkina Faso? If not, tell them. You can tell them, you can inform other people. And the third things, the third step is quite difficult, I would say, because you need to act. You need to take action. What does it mean? 
you can partner, you can be our partner in projects we are doing for Burkina Faso. I think these three steps can change the situation in this country. That's great. Thank you. Susanna, thank you so much for talking to us today. Just before you go, could you tell us a bit about how we can pray for you and for the work in Burkina Faso? Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah, I definitely need your prayers. Uh, yeah, if you can pray uh, for the guidance of the Holy Spirit for me and for all our team in the Voice of the Martyrs Poland, um, there is a lot of things to do. And we need the wisdom. We need wisdom to choose and uh, to work for uh, our brothers and sisters who suffer. And please pray for peace in Burkina Faso. Uh, they they really need a change. Mm, please for those. Please pray for those who lost their loved one. Pray for children who face a trauma. And yeah, they they really need to be rebuild they really need to to see that there is a possibility to change their lives and i think it's really important it's essential to pray for christians and for believers that they can be a light for others that they may keep faith in this um, horrific situation and they may be a light for non-believers that may see that god is real and they can change the situation in Burkina Faso. One million people displaced, and yet the world seems barely aware of what is happening in Burkina Faso. This was a sobering conversation, and it may take you some time to process. As you think it through, don't forget Susanna's simple challenge. Pray, inform, act. You can call out to God on behalf of our brothers and sisters and make that a regular part of your praying. The Bible tells us that the Lord inclines his ear to those who are suffering unjustly. You can tell other people about the situation and encourage them to pray too. You can act by helping to support Release International's partners projects in Burkina Faso, helping displaced children attend school, digging wells for clean drinking water and providing for the needs of widows. Thank you so much for listening to The Voice Podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then please do subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. Also, if you would like to give financially towards the work of Release International, you can do so at releaseinternational.org forward slash give. Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them 